eens bescheid. You ever been driving your car, going on vacation maybe, and you put the radio station on, maybe your favorite talk show or your favorite, you know, music station, and all of a sudden as you get a little further away, something begins to happen, right? your, Your station begins to fade in and out. It's much harder to hear what's going on. You start to get competing voices. So you're listening to your favorite talk show guy and uh, on the radio and, and you're driving and all of a sudden his voice gets mixed with someone else's voice or his voice gets mixed with the music or, or you listen to music and then you hear a voice and, and all, it, the further away you get from your original place, the more difficult it is for you to hear the original voice that you were trying to listen to. If you think about it, there are voices that are all around us kind of out there, right? You have waves, if you will. Radio, TV, and it really depends. If if Some of them are easy to hear. Some of them are more difficult for us to hear. It really depends on how close you are or if you are tuning in. Are you tuned in? That's really what we're talking about here. It's a lot easier to hear clearly what you would want to hear if you are tuned in. And that's what this series is all about. Learning to tune in to the right voice. Hearing God's voice. How do we hear God's voice? This is so important for years and years. I said this last week. I would, I'd be in, in, in group meetings or whatever, whether it's a church here, preaching or in a Bible study. And some, and I'll, I'll talk about how God spoke to me. I feel like God spoke to me. I feel like God said this in my heart. I feel like God is leading me. I feel like God is calling me. And, and long, every, almost every time someone will come to me and say, I don't understand. I don't, I don't. What do you mean when you say God, you heard God speak to you? What do you mean that you heard a voice? Is it an audible voice? They have these questions. They basically say, I don't think God's ever spoken to me. And I thought, man, this is so significant. We need to make sure we're hearing the voice of God. We need to learn to tune in. So that's what the series, it's not just one sermon, this series is all about. How do we know if we're trying to make decisions We're in difficult situations. How do we know that we're truly hearing from God? In John chapter 10, verse 27, Jesus says, My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. Jesus is trying to speak to all of us. He's trying to speak to all of us, but we need to be on the same wavelength. And sometimes we're not. Because if we're not on the same wavelength as Jesus, then we're hearing other messages. We're hearing other voices. We're hearing something else. But the closer we are to him, the easier it is for us to hear. This morning, I want to talk about impressions. I want to talk about impressions. And you say, well, what's an impression? You know what I'm talking about here. It's when you get a thought in your mind. And then you start to wonder... Is this thought, is this thought from God? You're not sure if you can trust that thought. You, you're trying to make a decision and you get a thought in your mind, but you're not totally sure if you should trust that thought that's in your mind because you're not sure exactly where that thought is coming from. Is it truly coming from God? There are three main sources of impressions. 
Three main sources of impressions. Basically, your own mind, God, and Satan. And before I move on from the Satan part, I want to just be clear here when I get to, when I get to talk about Satan. I'm using that as Satan as the enemy. Someone asked me after the service, well, does Satan, how can he be in all the places at one time? Satan is not God. It doesn't have the qualities of God. Satan is not omnipresent. Okay? Satan is not in different places. He can't be in the United States and, and uh, India at the same time. Okay, he's not omnipresent, but Satan influences there. You have the enemy, you have angels, you have demons, you have those influences. So Satan is not omnipresent. He's not all powerful. He, so he doesn't have the qualities of God. So I want to I want to say that up front. So when I use Satan, I'm generally using the enemy as a whole. OK, speaking into our lives. But you have your own mind. You have God. And then you have Satan are the three biggest impressions. When you when you have a thought, it's usually coming from one of those three areas. Talking to yourself. So let's start out with, you, you know, hearing from your own mind. OK. Talking to yourself can be extremely dangerous, all right? When people will talk to themselves sometimes, they'll get a thought in their minds, and, and uh, if you just allow that thought to run and you don't check it, you're not asking any questions of where is that thought coming from, it can lead to incredible danger in your life. In Proverbs chapter 14 and verse 12, it says, There are many ways that appear to be right, but in the end, it leads to death. So in your mind, you get thoughts in your mind and all of a sudden you think, well, that makes sense. I kind of like that, especially if it goes along with your feelings. Okay, if you if you feel a certain way, you want to do something and you allow your feelings to start taking control. And then your mind kicks in and you hear it says in Proverbs is really clear. There are ways that there there is a way that appears to be right. But in the end, it leads to death. We get things in our minds. We follow through with those things. And and I'll tell you, there, there are so many, not just death, but it's there are so many times I'll give you an example. How many times have you been in a conversation with someone or in an argument with a friend or a girlfriend or your husband or your wife or, you know, relatives? It doesn't matter. And, and you're and you're thinking to yourself that you're waiting for them to stop whatever they're saying so you can say what's in your mind. Right. Because your feelings have basically taken over and you're not happy anymore and you're frustrated and something comes into your mind and you now you just say it. But as you say it, it's almost like the Holy Spirit speaks to you and said, don't say it. And you say it and you're like, no, right? You want to get it back, but you can't because it came out because your feelings were there and your mind was there and you, and you basically said what you were thinking. You acted upon what you were thinking. You thought that's the right thing to say. If I say this, this will end the conversation. This will make my point or this will really get things. And what does it do? It doesn't end in death maybe, <laughs> but you sometimes wish you were, Right? Because you said the wrong thing because you allowed that thought to have its way. See, we often think we're hearing from God when we're actually just talking to ourselves. We think we're hearing from God, but we're, we're just talking to ourselves or, or we're listening honestly to our feelings. We're allowing our emotions to dictate our actions, which is always, almost always, okay, a very bad idea. I love Star Wars. All right. When I was I, I, when I was growing up, till I was 12 years old, and I remember sitting in the, uh, the the cinema, and before Star Wars, 
some of the coolest things you could actually if you if you if you watch some of the shows on TV, you could actually see the fishing string. Any guys remember this kind of going like you know what I'm saying? Like, what is that hanging down? You know, and the and the coolest thing was maybe the creature from the Black Lagoon. Some guy dressed up and he comes out of the water. Ugh. I like science fiction stuff, so but Star Wars. I walked I sat in the theater at twelve years old. And that starship came over the screen like this. It was 20 years ahead of its time. If you remember this, it was stunning. Because it's hard to compare it to something else now because the technology is so amazing. Maybe if someone, maybe they can come up with a person who actually looked technologically looked like a real person, you couldn't tell the difference, then it would be, you'd be like, wow, that's what it was when I was 12. So I kind of like Star Wars. I like to follow the story and everything and all the things are splitting off. I was very happy when Disney bought it because I knew there'd be more movies. But one thing I don't like about Star Wars, they say the same thing. Here's what they say. Trust your feelings, right? Trust your feelings. So, you know, Luke's doing it. He's about to take it. He's using all his, all his, all his technology. He's going to blow up the Death Star. And then all of a sudden he hears a voice. And basically, trust your feelings, right? All throughout the whole series is trust your feelings. Well, it works out really great in the movies. But I'm telling you right now, you try that in your life. You trust your feelings, okay? Go on what you're thinking all the time without aligning it with with other foundations that I'll I'll describe to you in a second. And you're going to find yourself in a lot of trouble from misery to death. So first is the thoughts that I have in my mind are coming from my own mind, myself. Number two is God, okay? Number two is God. In Job chapter 33, verse 14, it says, For God does speak now one way, now another, though no one perceives it. In Jeremiah 29, 12 and 13, it says this, Then you will call upon me and go and pray to me, and I will listen to you, and you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all of your heart. Those are only a couple of passages. God speaks, God desires to speak to us. He wants to speak to his children. He wants to talk to us continually. But what happens sometimes is when we we remain close to God, we can hear his voice sometimes loud and clear. I mean, when we're hanging on and we're close to God and we're walking in lockstep with God, it, it's very clear most of the time what God is speaking, what God is saying to us. But the further away from God that we get, the more fuzzy it becomes. The more competing voices get involved in our heads and we're not sure, is this, is this from God or is this, is this myself? You, you're not really sure. There's mixed messages that are going on. Like I said in the very beginning, you're on vacation. And the further away you get from your favorite radio station, the more the static comes in. The more the competing voices come in. The more you're, you're not truly understanding and not really sure if you heard that right. So the closer, the better. Write that down because it's profound. Okay, write that down. The closer, the closer you are to God, the better. If you want to hear God's voice, if you want to make sure that you're hearing God's voice, the closer you are to God, the better. Now, the third one is Satan. Okay, Satan. Second Corinthians chapter 11, verses 13 through 14 and 14 reminds us of this. For such people are false apostles, deceitful workers masquerading as apostles of Christ. But listen, and no wonder for Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. The problem that we have in the church and outside of the church is that we don't recognize how deceitful the enemy really is. 
Satan doesn't come along and say, hey, listen, listen to me. Go along with this because my goal here is to make you miserable on earth and then drag you right to hell. That's my goal. You got it? You going to come? You, you up for this? No, that's not what happens. It's, it, it's things that sound kind of good. It sounds right. He uses really lovely and, 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 and beautiful words and, and says things that are, uh, you know, there's a little bit of truth mixed in with it. There's, you know, there's truth mixed in. So you go, well, that, no, that makes sense. We're supposed to do this. And, and, but all of a sudden at the end, there's a catch. Satan masquerades as an angel of light. He doesn't come full thrust and basically tell you what's going to happen to you at the end. So we need to be careful. We need to be so careful. We see this all the time where people, other people, will use the phrase, God spoke to me, and then hurt others. Jim Jones is a perfect example. Jim Jones, if you don't remember who Jim Jones was, you know where you get the phrase, oh, they're drinking the Kool-Aid? Well, those people are drinking Kool-Aid. They're drinking the Kool-Aid. You get that from Jim Jones, who basically said, oh, God spoke to me. He, he probably spoke a lot of truth in the beginning, and it sounded right. You know, they started a church, and, and then all of a sudden he moves them away gets them alone in some commune, and then by the end, they're all drinking Kool-Aid, poison Kool-Aid, and they all die. That happens all the time, not maybe people dying, but people using phrases like, well, God spoke to me, and God spoke to me. But it wasn't God speaking to him. And in the end, it led to death. See, this is often tricky. This is a tricky one because there are times in my own life where I am definitely hearing from God. God is speaking to my heart and to my mind. But then quickly after or right about the same time, there are competing thoughts that come in to my mind. And so you have these you have these competing thoughts that are that are that are going on. I'm hearing from God, but then all of a sudden I'm hearing another voice in my head that is telling me to do the opposite of what God is telling me or trying to confuse me about how I should do it, when I should do it, or why I should do it, all those kinds of things. And as I'm reading through Scripture, one Scripture really jumped out at me as I was writing this. In Matthew chapter 16 and verse 23, it says this, Jesus turned to Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan. Okay, now most of us heard that before. Jesus said to Peter, you know, get behind me, Satan. But listen to the next few verses. It says this. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Get behind me, Satan. You do not have the concerns of God, but only human concerns. He says this to Peter. I mean, Peter. Right? Peter is, I mean, Peter is one of his main disciples. He says it's a Peter. It's incredible. See, it is critical that you and I learn to discern and to distinguish between what voices we are hearing. Is this a voice? Am I talking to my, is this from my own mind? Which is not always negative and bad, but is it just from my own mind? Is this God speaking to me? Is he the one leading and directing me? Or are there mixed voices in there? We need to, we really need to learn how to discern and distinguish who is speaking to us. Am I speaking to myself? Is God speaking to me? Is Satan speaking to me? In 1 John chapter 4 and verse 1, it says this, Dear friends, listen to this, do not believe every spirit, 
Do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. Test the spirits, test the voices. So that's what we're going to be talking about with the remainder of our time. I want to look at seven steps that will help you test impressions, that will help you test the impressions. What are you hearing? We'll look at three this week and then we'll look at four next week. So how do we how do we test those impressions? I'm going to t- give you seven steps. How do we test them? Because God has guidelines. God has laid out guidelines to help us test the impressions or to test the spirits. There are guidelines that he lays out for us. And if you apply these guidelines, if you apply them together, if you apply all seven of them to your situation, as you make decisions, as you as you're facing a situation or a crisis or something, if you apply all seven of these, You can be more confident in the decisions that you're making, but you can't pick and choose. I mean, you can, I guess you can, but if you truly want to be clear, as clear as you can be, and you want to make good decisions, and you want to take all seven that we're going to talk about over the next couple of weeks, and and you apply them to your situation. So the first one, the first step is to, to ask the question, and when it comes to the voices that you're hearing, okay, or the thoughts that you're having, does it align with the Bible? First and foremost, simple as that. Does it align with the Bible? In Luke chapter 21, verse 33, it says this. Heaven and earth. Listen, heaven and earth. These are very emphatic passages, which I love about this sermon. I really do, because it's very, very clear. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will never pass away. My words will never pass away. Paul said in Philippians chapter 1, verses 9 and 10, and this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. God never, I'm going to use absolutes, never, okay, never contradicts his word. If you're thinking, am I, is this from God? Is this from God? If it contradicts the word of God, it is not from him. God never contradicts or goes against his word. He's never going to tell you, ever going to tell you to do something that violates a principle or precept in the Bible. He's not going to contradict himself. He's not going to say it once in his word and then tell you something different. In your heart and in your mind. That's not going to happen. It will never, never, ever happen. In Galatians chapter 1 and verse 8 it says, But even, listen to this, okay, again, real clarity. But even if we or an angel from heaven should speak a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let them be under God's curse. If an angel from heaven comes down and says something that is opposed to what God's word says, don't listen. Okay, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter who says it. If it goes against the word of God, I don't know how more profound and straightforward. That's, you think that's pretty straightforward? I do. That's pretty straightforward. So let me give you some other examples, okay? The Bible says, in the word of God, it says in Ephesians, let there not be a hint of sexual immorality. So, if the Bible says that, God is not going to then impress upon you to sleep with someone else. Right. Very clear in the word of God, the boundaries around sexuality. Very clear. Not 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 confusing. 
you're, you're, you're being confused now. It's not confusing. That's why I'm saying you need to read the Word of God. You need to know the Word of God. Not confusing at all. God is not going to contradict himself and impress upon you or lead you or make you feel whatever words you want to use that you should though then violate what he's already said. See, if you understood that truth, if you understood the truth of what the word of God says, you wouldn't be so confused with all the things that are swirling around and carrying on. There wouldn't be much confusion because God's not confusing on this subject. Well, you think to yourself, you think, well, 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 what about this? And what about that? And what if what if what if two people are in love because they're in love with each other? I mean, say it the right way. I got to say it with sincerity. They're in love. They're so in love. People are in love. And I mean, my favorite one, I'm going to get a T-shirt. It says love is love love is oh love wait no no no, love is love so as long as love is love anything goes right because love is love and it sounds it's it's really don't i say am i saying it nice enough because love is love let me be honestly clear with you guys give me give me two minutes I'm not going to do it now. You give me two minutes on the phone or you can come, whatever, email me or whatever. I, I can annihilate that thought process in two minutes by giving you some specifics, by asking you to follow through. If love is love, that's, all, that's what matters, right? Because that's, love is love. So after, if, if you've established love is love, and as long as you're sincere, then anything goes, right? Anything goes, right? Anything goes, right? Right? Your adults follow it through this logical conclusion. Oh, but you don't understand that. You, that, you know, but blah, 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 blah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but you don't get, my teacher told me and my cousin is a blah, and he says, and, and I, and, 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 and when, when I talk to my friends and, and I feel, I feel, I feel, if two people are in love, then that's, oh my goodness, I feel my cousin, my teacher, my uncle, the guy on the radio, my favorite, my favorite movie star. In Ephesians chapter 5, through 3 through 6, God says, God says, but among you, there must not even be a hint of sexual immorality, any kind of impurity or greed. Greed meaning a selfishness that I am with someone and I want what they, I want to take from them physically. It's that kind of greed. Because of these things, because of these, because these are improper, these are improper. Why? They're improper for God's holy, remember that word, holy people. And he goes on, he's not, he doesn't mess around. Nor should there be any obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking. Hey, I got one for you. There was a guy who went, no, you don't have one for me. No, no coarse joking which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. For you can be sure, okay, no immoral, impure, or greedy person, same definition, such, as a, such a person as idolater has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Listen to, listen to the next words, okay, listen. Let no one deceive you with empty words. How more prevalent is that than right now? Let no one, no one, no one deceive you with empty words, for because of such things, God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. I am not confused with all the cultural going-ons in our country. I'm not confused at all. Why? Because God doesn't make it very confusing. 
I listen to one voice. I'm tuned into one voice. It doesn't matter what every other, if every human on the planet said something other than the word of God, it wouldn't confuse me at all. I wouldn't be confused in the slightest. I would, I would respond with teaching the word of God. I'm not confused at all. People are often confused because they're not tuned in. They're hearing mixed messages. They're hearing static. They're hearing, uh, you know, competing voices. Yeah, did you, well, I'm not, well, what, did, what do you think he said? I, well, I thought that person in, in this book, what, what, and then it comes down to my favorite thing of all again is, I feel what I feel. I used to be able to sit down with people in my office and they're doing something they know, they're doing something that biblically is wrong. And I would sit down and I would say, they would say, well, I feel God led me to do this or be with this person. And I would say, well, let's see, here's what the word of God says. And they'll literally argue with me now. Before, 20 years ago, no argument if you're a believer. Now, your feelings are equal with the word of God, which they're not. But I feel, I feel God told me or led me into doing blah, blah. I say, here's what the word of God says. And there's still a conflict with, I feel, I feel. Let me, let me give you another example. God always says to be honest, not to compromise and to have integrity, to have and to hold and, and be and have integrity. If, if you get the idea that you should, in your mind, that you should be cutting corners in school or at work, okay, if you feel that, and that you should be dishonest, if you're feeling like, uh, well, what if I just did, what if I just, what if I moved it, what's the big deal, it's not a whatever, if you feel, if that's what's in, going on in your mind, it's not from God. God's already spoken. It, it, it's not from God. So you can be clear that what you're hearing in your mind, the impression that you're getting, it's important, the impression is not from God. That does not come from God. See, the vast majority of God's will is in his word. Specifically. There are precepts and principles for everything we're going to face in our lives. Maybe not specifically on one little issue, like, uh, should, you know, there's, there are things like new drugs coming out. Well, it doesn't say that don't take that drug, but there are principles in the Bible that clearly tell you not to take that drug. That makes sense? So the vast majority of God's will for your life are right there in his word. So the first step, and you have to read the word of God. You read the word of God. Doesn't matter what anyone else says or what their opinions are. The most important question you have to ask yourself is, does this align with the word of God? Is this consistent with the word of God? I love this verse in Acts chapter 17, verse 11. Listen to this. Now the Berean Jews were more noble, uh, they were more noble character than those in Thessalonica. For they received the message with great eagerness and examined the scriptures every day to see if what Paul was saying is true. Bam. I get up here. I love you. I hope you love me. All right. I can get up here and talk. But you know what? I can't back it up with scripture. It's my opinion. And if you if I say something, this happened before, I'll say something, whatever else. And someone will, will email me and say, hey, I think you may have taken that out of context or something like that. I'll go back. and I'll go, Hey, you're right. I did. I apologize. I'm a human being. 
You need to know the word of God. We all need to know the word of God. It says that the message, they received the message with eagerness and examined the scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. If you don't build your life on the foundation of God's word, you become an easy target for the enemy to deceive. If you do not build your life on the foundation of God's word, you become an easy target, an easy target for the enemy to draw in and to deceive. It's so important that we memorize scripture. Why? Because we're going to face situations in our lives where everyone around us is saying one thing. They're luring us in. Oh, this is, oh, you'll be so much happier if you do this. You'll be so much better off if you do this. And then the word of God comes to mind and stands up in defense of those things. You bring it to mind. You can't bring to mind what you don't know. So you need to read read the word of God. That's number one. Number two. Number two. The question is, when you hear something, does it help you become more like Jesus Christ? Does it help you become more like Jesus Christ? In first, in second Corinthians chapter 10 verse 5, it says this, we demolish arguments, listen, we demolish arguments in every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought. What's coming in? We take captive every thought and do what? We make it obedient to Christ. We don't just let things come in and out and we all go along with it all. We take captive every thought. We make it obedient to Christ. Christ is the ultimate standard by which we judge all truth and decisions. Christ is the standard. God's goal for your life is that you would be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. That's his goal for your life. God will not say or do anything that leads you in a way that drives you away from that goal. He is not going to do that. He won't say anything that would hinder you from achieving that goal. I'm going to read you something as we move forward here. In Philippians chapter 2, it says "If you in verse 1, If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any fellowship with his spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. Listen, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. But in humility, consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should not only look to your own interests, but also the interests of others. He says, your attitude, my attitude, your attitude be the the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking on the very nature of a servant, sacrificing himself. He basically gave of himself throughout his life here on earth. Thinking of others first, putting himself second. In James chapter 3, verses 14 through 17, it says this. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder in every evil practice. Okay? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to maybe step on some toes, and I'm, so please hear me out. Any voice that you hear from earth, from your mind, I don't care, that says that God's, God just wants you. His main concern in this world is to make you happy. God just care, All God cares about is that you're happy. He just wants you to be happy. If you hear that message, it is not from God. Okay, it is not from God. It is not from God. Jesus, I'm going to I'll use this verse again. 
Basically, Jesus, when he's talking to Peter, and he says, get behind me, Satan, in Matthew chapter 16. Do you know what the next verse tells us? He says, get behind me, Satan. Here's what he says next. Then Jesus says to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must be happy all the time. And that's why I came to die on a cross and suffer to make sure that you're happy all the time. Right? Does God want us to be happy? Well, sure. I mean, God wants you to be happy by the right definition. God wants me to be happy. I want to be. You want to be happy, right? You want to be. I want to be happy, right? So Jesus came and he said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciples must be happy all the time. That's not what it says at all. That's not what it says at all. Must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. Whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life from me will find it. Jesus wants us, listen, he wants us to have an abundant life, a life of joy, joy, a life of peace, a life of contentment, a life of passion, a life of boldness, a life of character, a life of courage. That's the kind of life that God wants us to have. Jesus wants us to have that kind of life. But listen, here's the thing. If your happiness conflicts with your holiness, then you need to change your definition of happiness because God is more concerned about you being holy than he is about you being happy. And if your happiness conflicts with his holiness or your, you becoming holy, you need to change your definition of happy. When I try to be holy with all my heart, be holy as I am holy. When you do that, you find joy. You find peace. You find contentment. You find your purpose in life. The reason for your existence. You're walking with Christ. And is that going to make you more happy? It really is. It really is. But that's not what the world is telling us. And even the church in some places are telling us. The most important thing to God is your happiness. The most important thing to God is my holiness. Is my holiness. Am I being conformed to the image of Christ? Am I listening and reading and studying and applying the word of God? That's what's important to him. My friends, we were not designed. We were not designed to be clowns, but warriors. God loves us and he wants us to have an abundant life, a full life. He wants us to have all of those things. He wants us to live a life of adventure and boldness. And that should make us happy. But more than that, we can find peace and joy and contentment in those things. See, listen, you are all adults here, all right? Being happy can change with an email, right or wrong? My, my happiness can change with someone writing me an email. My happiness can change with a harsh word. My happiness can change with a traffic jam. I got my red truck fixed. You know, I always drive in that red truck. It was rusted out. It was going to go to pot. And I thought, man, that stinks. I love this truck. It's only got like 70-something thousand miles on it, but it was all rusted out. And I got it, I got it fixed. Somebody was able to fix it. I'm happy. I'm happy, right? They fixed my red truck, baby. It's me and my red truck. I love that. I want to, that's the, that, hopefully that's the only car I drive for the rest of my life. I'm going to be 80 years old. There he is in that red truck. You know what I mean? It'll be a classic in a couple of years. So 2002, it'll be a classic. I'll drive around a classic truck. I'm happy that my truck is back. You should be happy for me. Right? I drive out of the parking lot and someone hits me from the side and, and totals my truck. Guess what? I'm not happy anymore. I'm not happy anymore. God wants us to be holy. 
God wants us to be conformed to the image of his son, Jesus Christ. Let me, let me say one last thing here on this to help you understand. Philippians chapter 2 says, Consider others better than yourselves. Don't look to your own interests, but also the interests of others. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who bearing in very nature God did not consider equality with God something to grasp and made himself nothing, taking on the very nature of a servant. Now, mom and dad, I want to ask you a question. A whole family. What would happen if you built the foundation of your family on the idea that you need to be happy. The, the most important thing to God, and when you run your family, I want you to look at the logic of some of the things that were taught, okay? Even in church. The most important thing in your, to you, is that, to God, is that you're happy. Are you happy when you have to get up at 2.30, 3 o'clock in the morning to take care of your little baby? Are you happy you have your baby? Sure you are. But would you, how many people want the baby to sleep through the night? Raise your hand, for goodness sake. Liars. Come on. Right? No, teasing. Everybody wants their baby to sleep through the night. Is it happy that you, you sacrifice and get up to make your baby cries? Baby needs something, right? How much happiness do you get when your baby blows out their diaper? It's way up their back. Always the, you know what I'm saying? I mean, ever sit, you ever pull your kid out of a car seat and go, that's not possible. I mean, it's tripping down the front of their, how does, wait, it comes, it, wait, it goes where? What on earth? I can see you. Let me get the wipes. Come on. I, my turn. My turn. Right? You just grab them and you get a hose. I mean, it's like, you know, it's not, you're not going to be happy all the time in these situations. You build the foundation of your family, a good family, on, oh, we're on vacation and they want to go to the Bozo's Burger Barn and Barf Place, right? And you're like, oh, my stomach, I can't take this. But they all want to go. What do you say? Yeah, Bozo's Burger Barn and Bar Place. You know what I mean? Because you love them. You're sacrificing. You're putting others before yourself. You have to use logic in the way people talk and lay things out. Sacrifice. Becoming more like Jesus Christ will bring you true happiness. Are you happy when you have to tell your teenager 15 times to do something? Over years and 20 times and over and over. No, it doesn't make you happy. Why do you keep doing it? Because you love them. And you know if I continue to say that, it's going to sink in. And long term, it's going to help change their life. Maybe help them avoid making some really tough decisions. Does it make you happy to do it all the time? No. But it's the right thing to do. And you love them. You sacrifice for them. Number three, and the last one. Do other mature believers confirm it? When I hear something, do other mature believers conform it, con- confirm it? In Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 10, it says this. His intent was that, was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. Basically, when you come to Christ, you are a part of a church family. God loves to speak to us through his church family. He loves to speak to us that way. God can speak through his family. In Proverbs chapter 11 and verse 14, it says this, Where no counsel is, the people fall. But in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. When you're faced with a decision, when you're trying to figure out what to do, he wants you to seek counsel from as many godly people as possible, as many people as possible who know God, who know their God. You know who they are. I mean, they're your leaders. They're the people who are leading your Bible study, the people who are praying with you when you're struggling, and the people who are visiting you when you're not feeling well. Those are the people, and you want to do your best to ask as many of those people as possible to help you out. If you try to go it alone... 
it is so easy for us to misunderstand or misinterpret God's will. It is easy for me to, um, to misinterpret and uh, you know, misunderstand God's will. So when you, what, you, what you want to do is surround yourself with godly people who help you make those decisions. Remember a few weeks ago we talked about following the right voices? You want to follow the right voices. We need guidance from as many people as possible who know God, who know him. Proverbs chapter 11 and verse 9 says, With their mouths the godly destroy their, uh, the ungodly, the godless destroy their neighbors. But through knowledge the righteous escape. See, if you understand, if you understand, because you say, oh, I'm trusting people. I'm not going to trust. I don't trust them. If you understand that people are not perfect. First, just first you, you come to the conclusion, you understand that people are not perfect. If you understand that, it is safe and it is healthy to ask mature Christians to help you evaluate your impressions, to test the spirits. It is healthy. It is safe. When you recognize that people are not perfect, they are not God, but if they can bring the word of God to bear on the situation, if they can bring their godly experiences to bear, then it's safe and healthy to ask them to help you to evaluate the impressions that you're hearing. Here's the bottom line. If a mature Christian is questioning it, you should question it as well. If you're making a decision and, a, and five or six or seven mature believers are questioning it, you should have the wisdom to question it as well. Okay, so we've looked at three. We have looked at three steps to test an impression, to test the spirits. Next week, we're going to look at four others. I want you to bow your heads with me as we close out here. We're going to look at four others. I, want you, I need you to remember this. Hold on to this thought, okay? All of these steps fit together to form a process that will help you better hear God's voice. All of these steps that we just one, two, three, and then there's four through seven next week. All of these steps fit together in a process that will help you better hear God's voice. Is it foolproof? I'm not saying it is. What I'm saying is if we take these seven steps, these seven principles, these seven thoughts, and we apply them to our situations, to our impressions, and we test the spirits, if we do that, it will better help us to move forward and make decisions that are God-honoring and that will help us become more like Jesus Christ. You say, I'm not sure if I'm making the right choice. This will help you make the right choice. This will help you understand if what you're thinking in your mind, what is being put in your mind is truth or not truth. So God, we thank you for this time that we can spend together. We thank you for the opportunity you give us, Lord, to come together as the body of Christ. We pray that you would help each one of us to become more like your son, Jesus Christ. That we would study your word and know your word. So that the impressions that we get in our minds, Lord God, we can, we can contrast that with your word. Help us to be conformed to the image of your son. And use us. Use, allow us to use the people in the body of Christ who love you and know you to work together with us, Lord, to help us make the right decisions. We thank you for this time that we can spend together. We thank you for being a God who clearly speaks to us. We pray that we would tune in, that we would stand close and stay close to you so that we can hear your voice as you speak. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a great week.